Hey guys, another episode of Eastman's Elevated coming at ya. So, uh, boy, I've been busy here lately. The podcast has been doing great. I've been picking up quite a few good guests. Um, so like the last three or four now, I've had guests in it, which, um, so I, I'm trying to get better at, at that portion of it, you know. I don't want it to come off like an interview. I want it more as just a free-flowing conversation. And so just been working on my game, trying to get better at, at interviewing those guys and getting as much out of them as I can and letting their personality shine through, but but still being involved in the conversation and, and me adding in things. So anyway, something I've been working on here, trying to get better at every facet of this podcast, just to bring you guys as, as much good information as I can. So um, things have been going great here. We got to, oh, I leave this next week. I'm going to go over to the Eastman's head office over there and we're really going to do a big launch for the podcast. And so I'm going to interview Guy and Ike and, um, Brandon Mason and, and, uh, Dan Turvey, my editor. And I, I got like five or six of these podcasts lined up. And so we're going to sit down and then, and then do interviews face to face or interviews after I just told you we weren't going to do interviews, but you know what I mean? We're going to do conversations where we sit down one-on-one. So I've been taking a bunch of notes here lately. So, and if you guys have anything, any questions to ask or anything you want to add in, make sure to hit me up here before I take off. I'm going to be over there, uh, on Thursday. Um, and I'll make sure to ask, but, but yeah, it's about, you know, asking tough questions or asking good questions. Um, you know, and just trying to trying to get some stuff. I, you know, if I'm interested in it, I figure you guys are interested in it, and so I'm going to ask the questions that I want to know about. And then, like I say, if you guys add in or hit me up with anything or any questions you guys have, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, feels good. It feels good where the podcast is headed, and um, feels good to have some of these higher profile guests. You know, as well as as hardcore public landers, or we're all hardcore public landers, but. Um, well, I've been working on the tech side. I'm about ready to pull my hair out. You guys are probably getting tired of me complaining about uh, my technical issues, but it's just constant with me. I just only thing I can do is laugh and and just keep trying to learn. But I, so I I haven't done any of these face to face interviews. All of my podcasts so far have been a solo, either me just sitting in my office talking into a mic, um, like today, or I've been doing these um these conversations over Skype. And, and that seems to work pretty good. I had the one mishap uh, with Travis where I didn't record. But other than that, I think I got my system pretty well figured out. But now I'm trying to get ready to, to have a conversation face-to-face, which I think is going to make for for a, a better talk and better conversation. And I'm really excited about it. Um, like I say, I've been taking notes, and I've got a, a bunch of good topics I, I want to touch on. But um, the technical side, oh, my God. <laughs> Look out. Uh so I bought a couple headsets, um, a few different headsets that I was trying out, and I figure, well, you know, we can just plug headsets in, and I got them so they're USB, so they plug into my computer, um, and I just figured, you know, I've got three or four ports on my laptop, everything will be fine, I'll plug them in and go, and went to try testing things, and um, it, it only picks up one mic on there, so... Uh, now I've got this issue where I've got to be over there on, on Thursday and do these interviews and I've only got one mic working, but you know, I've got this, this mobile recorder that I bought, um, that does a good job. It's got multi-directional microphones on it. And, and then I, I think I'll record on that, my mobile recorder and on my laptop just to make sure I don't mess anything up. Like I say, I'm still just new to this, 
um, to the technical side. I hate to get done with about five or six podcasts and go, oh, sorry guys, I didn't get it. <laughs> Can you imagine? I think I'd be fired on the spot. I'd be back to doing them on my own. Uh, so anyways, I'm trying to work out the technical side and I think I got it. I think we'll just record off one mic and then that mobile recorder, it'll be fine. I mean, um, they definitely didn't hire me for my technical savvy, you know, more for my personality and, and what I can put into the podcast. And, and, uh, so I've just got to focus on that side of it and I'm sure the recordings will come out fine. I mean, so far I've been happy with all the recordings, but anyways, that's what's happening in my world is just, uh, trying to get or, or getting nervous, you know, to get over there and get everything recorded. But, uh, yeah, we'll shoot over there. Should be a good time. Um, should be able to relax and have some good talks and get some good information. You know, all those guys are super knowledgeable and, and, uh, hunting all year round in different states and different units and different places. And so, yeah, excited to sit down with them and, and, uh, pick their brain a little bit. But, uh, so on this episode, um, you know, I thought I'd talk about, uh, late season hunting, uh, as I'm starting to get geared up for this New Mexico late season hunt and uh, starting to get pretty excited, um, man, I'm, I just, um, being on these adventure hunts just means everything to me. It just gives me a chance to reset and, and uh, the, the, the adventure of it, it, it just like it fulfills me. Um, so not having any of these hunts for a while, you know, I've gone almost the whole month of December here, which one month withdrawals, but it seems like right after you get over with season and you know it's kind of over with, um, you know, you kind of hit a lull there, but, um, it's just something about being out in the woods and being self-sufficient and, and, uh, there's dangers out there and, and all of a sudden, you know, you don't have a soundtrack. There's, there's no music. There's just you in the woods and, and, and you're in charge of your own destiny. you got to make sure you keep yourself safe and, and, uh, avoid dangers, you know, whether it's grizzly bears, rattlesnakes, lightning, um, or, you know, this late season, you know, it's foul weather, but you just, it's like you, you have your own fate in your hands and it's like a getting back to the basics of what a being a human being is. Um, you know, we're so protected in our cars and our houses. And I know cars are dangerous and, and car wrecks and things, but you just don't think of it. You get in this normal routine of life, you know, and, and it seems like when you're on these adventure hunts, you just, you're able to get some more perspective and, and you're able to uh, appreciate what you have more and, 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 and work towards being a, a better person, better husband, better father. You know, you're just able to reflect on life a little bit and, and you're able to enjoy yourself. When you're focused on killing a big buck or a, a big bull or whatever it is, you know, it takes it takes every fiber of your being, every every amount of focus that you have. And so, so you're just, you're, you're totally honed in on being the best predator you can be and you're thinking about that and how you can find a deer and where your next vantage point is where you're going to walk what you're going to do next you next so you know you, you you focus on this and then all of a sudden the stresses of everyday life and your your work and the stress you have it just seems to melt away and i just come from come back from these trips a, a better person and so you know as i as i get this little time off here and and time to get psyched about another hunt. I, I'm really pumped about this New Mexico hunt. So um, I've just been finishing up a big job here, a big construction job. It's been like a seven or eight month huge remodel where we added 2,000 square feet or so and then remodeled the entire house. Um, it's been a big project and they're great clients, but um, be really nice to get finished up. So we're kind of 
just at the end of this and I got to get this project done before I can leave. And so I can finally see the finish line and I'm going to make it and, and going to be able to get out on this hunt. And I think I might go that second week of January instead of the first week of January. And, um, not really, you know, any strategy as far as hunting, just what I've got going with personal life and running over to Eastman's and doing those interviews, getting those podcasts out. And then, you know, I've got to do my monthly billings for the business here and you know, make sure I can pay my guys while I'm gone. But man, I'm just getting pumped. I, there's some, some really big muleys and I've got this tag down in New Mexico and I drew a border tag in 2009 and killed a really nice, tall, heavy buck in the snow over there and, and saw some really nice bucks. Um, so this unit kind of borders it, but it's that same deal where there are these big, huge bucks are migrating out of Colorado and they're coming down into New Mexico. Um, and, and they, they kind of, you know, I've noticed that deer when they're migrating or traveling, you know, we're kind of getting out of the rut stage now. So when I get down there, I mean, you can still find some bucks hanging out with does and hanging out in big groups. Um, and, and then you find a lot of bucks that are just kind of hanging out by themselves. They, they've been through the rut, they're worn down, and they're just looking to get to the winter range and looking to avoid pressure and, and get some good food in them and get recovered. Um, so I've noticed when, when I'm hunting migrating deer, um, you know, I notice they move down these huge drainages and drainage corridors that come down. And so um, I'm kind of been focused on those. There's a couple you know, huge river drainages that come down out of Colorado. And I think that'll kind of be where a lot of those bucks are migrating through, you know, in there, and then they'll filter up the drainages and draws that lead to those. And so, you know, I'm looking at those and then, you know, I'm just looking for, for some, some gnarly, well, and not even gnarly because it is just like high sagebrush or high desert, but I'm looking for the most character I can find. And, and what I mean by that is I don't want wide open flat. Like I want, I want character and features to it. I, I want micro drainages and big drainages that come off of it. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to focus on that country. Um, you know, of course I got the main river drainages, but then even spur drainages and spur ridge lines that come off in between those that look like good travel corridors, kind of looking at those and then, um, you know, and then just trying to find the best vantage points that overlook all that stuff to, to kind of, you know, find where, where these bucks are hanging. And I noticed when I hunted the, the unit next to it, um, I, I, I was able to find bucks in, in different places and in different drainages. I mean, it seems like it's always getting away from the pressure is just like, a, uh, if you can do that with any species you're hunting or any animal you're hunting, you seem to find them. So, you know, for me, it's finding some of these drainages that are away from roads, away from pressure that you can't see from roads that you kind of got to hike a, a ridge line to get back to or hike a little bit to get back to. Um, yeah, and, and my last trip, 2009, um, man, I, it was an awesome hunt. It was, uh, found a lot of deer, but I, I think I finally killed that buck on day nine of a 10-day hunt. Um and in that spot, there was a bunch of gas and oil wells that had closed roads on them. And so these gas and oil wells would have roads that go to them, but they'd be gated at the front, even though they're public land. They're, they're only accessible for the gas and oil guys or whatever through a vehicle. 
Um, but but what would happen was is even though there was a foot foot and a half of snow, is their tire tracks getting in and out of there, bringing the natural gas and oil out of there? You know, they'd wear down these tracks in the road, and I had my mountain bike, and I was able to just cover a ton of country down these closed roads and and kind of find that untouched spot, you know, where those deer were hanging out. Um, it the stalking was just tough. It was a classic snow hunt where the snow. It, you know when it's you can see deer better in the snow but that crunch just kills you trying to stalk in close and so you know I had some close calls and and passed some bucks um, I actually saw the buck I killed on the on the first day of the hunt I believe and there was a bigger buck that was hanging right with him that I ended up chasing him around and then I found this buck miles away um, on day nine and it's the same buck I've got pictures of them both and and he was a great big heavy 175 um, deep fork buck man I was just psyched with him but um, yeah I rode that mountain bike around covered country that way you know did a did a lot of glassing a lot of moving glassing and then I just came up with this system uh, you know I wasn't going to stock bucks until 12 or later in the day because that sun would come up warm up that sun and then uh, or warm up that snow and that snow would get soft and then you know you'd be able to sneak way better in it in the soft snow and I I do have uh, Travis uh, Nowitney's uh, stocking shoes I'm going to try out in the snow this time so we'll see how that works and see if that helps um but yeah, I'm just pumped. I can't wait to get down there. Um, just try my hand at trying to find a big old mature buck. I know they're in there. So um, I've been doing my map studies and, and I've been getting my workouts here lately. God, I kind of, I, I need to step up my game a little bit more. If I if I want these huge results that I talk about and and, and killing these trophies that are on my goals for next year and, and having enough time, I, I've just got to step it up a bit. I, um, I've... I've been getting in my workouts. They just haven't been killer workouts, and it, it's just like almost like I'm just going through the motions and just getting it in to, to get it in or getting in, you know, dang near the bare minimum. And, and I've been running a lot on that treadmill. It's just been snowy and cold outside, and it's dark, and I just – it's a, it's almost like taking an easy way out for me. I just – I got to step up my game here. I, I just – you know, and I it's not an excuse to be busy, but, you know, I have. i just been busy here at Kids and – and uh, work and and podcasts and and trying to get everything off the ground here but you know i need to i need to make myself and my fitness and my hunting you know a, a, a priority as it as it is a huge priority in my life and and it's so important it keeps me healthy when i'm when i'm working out and and and, and thinking about hunting it keeps my mind sharp and and fit and keeps me happy and in a good mood so uh, I, I've been getting in my workouts. I just need to do more. I need to, um, you know, like last night, I, I went and cut. I had to get uh, firewood yesterday. We're running out. We got a old log truck that we keep over at, at uh, around my dad's house over there. And so just cut a load of wood and load it up in the truck and bring it home. So we so we got firewood so we can keep the family warm. <laughs> but uh, so I went and got a load of wood. Gosh, by the time I got done, uh getting it all in and unloading it and, and splitting it and getting it stacked and the whole deal. It was dark and uh, Christmas Eve and it was like, man, it'd be so easy to just shut her down right now and not go. And, and you know, that's part of it too is you got to spend good quality time with my family. And the, the time we get is usually between 5 and 8 or 5 and 9 before everybody goes to bed. So I got to start doing these runs, you know, after 9 o'clock or whenever I can fit them in. Uh, in the morning before I 
before work starts, you know, although I, I try to do my paperwork and calls in the morning and get a lot of work done, but I just got to fit it in. I got to make time. I got to, I got to be better. And I, you know, I've been getting in five runs a week, but I've been three to six miles and, and mostly on a, on a treadmill, you know, warm in my garage. And, uh, it's just too easy. I got to suffer a little bit more. And so last night I got done unloading wood and it was dark and, and so I took off and went and did a run in the dark and it felt good just to be outside in the snow and the cold and running outside and getting hills in. And so, um, just need to be better at it. And, and, uh, you know, my, my stretching has been going good, but I could step up that too. And, and then, you know, weight training, um, you know, I've been getting in maybe three days a week, but gosh, I just, I just, if I want to take myself to this next level and, and accomplish these goals I want, I, I just, uh, I feel like I can step it up for sure. But, um, so, so we'll get, uh, get going, get down on this New Mexico hunt and, and just feel good to get hunting again and have all my stuff loaded up and, and, uh, be living in the dirt for a handful of days. So I'm getting excited for that. The one thing I'm going to miss out on is I'm going to miss out on, on coos deer hunting. And I just, I love coos deer hunting. Oh man, have I got hooked on that the last three years I've been down and hunted them and, uh, and I, I, I've hunted them in Arizona. I haven't hunted them in New Mexico. Arizona is just over the counter and, and go down there and buy your tag and you're set to go. And, and I know I've talked about it before, but I mean, it's, it's cold and usually, you know, negative temperatures here in Montana and snowy and, and, uh, boy, to be able to cut loose and go down into, into Arizona and, and soak in some heat and, you know, it's not super warm. It's, you know, it may get up to, high 70s or something like that it's usually like 60 70 degrees but man it's just nice to go down there in the warmth usually not dealing with much snow i mean it can snow down there but uh usually just a skiff if it does um but yeah get down there and hunt those coos deer you say i'm gonna miss out on it this year but i i'm gonna i'm gonna focus on it next year and get back down and try to kill another big coos um you know they just uh they're the ultimate spot and stalking and i i love like how different species just improve your skill set and improve your game so much and coos are definitely one of those they are so challenging they they're so tough to spot and and glass and so it really helps you know uh being a better glasser and being better at locating game and these these coos deer live all over throughout this desert terrain which is really cool they you know they're not living on alfalfa fields or they're not living yeah, you know, they're just living all throughout this desert terrain, and there's a lot of desert mountains down there, which I like to hunt the the mountains, and then it goes all the way down to the desert floor, and you can find them anywhere in between. Now, when when you're hunting coos deer or or any game animal for that matter with your bow, you know, I the more open the terrain is, the the more I like it, and the more apt I am to kill, and so. Um, when I'm hunting the desert mountains down there, the desert floor is usually the most open country. Um, if you can find coos and good populations down off that desert floor, it can be really good hunting. You know, I've, I've found, you find them down there, but it's, it's all about finding the sweet spot of country. And a lot of the places I'm hunting are mountain ranges where the top is all timber and there's coos that get up there and all that timber, but 
I'm not going to do any good if I can't glass it and can't see them and can't move on it. And it kind of gets timbery and rocky up there. And so I kind of stay off the tops of the mountains and then the bottom on the desert floor. You know, there's some spots where I found some pretty good hunting on the desert floor, but it's not everywhere. Um, sometimes you get down too low and you don't find many of those things. There's not enough cover for them. And those coos really like cover and, and like having a place to hide. Um, where I've done really good is that mid breast of that hill where you get a lot of open features but there's also a lot of patches of cover you know that's where I've done really good and where I try to focus you know as far as facing on the hill you know sometimes you'll get in canyons and they'll like one side of the canyon or the other side but kind of like muley hunting where I've seen them on every different side of every different hill you could find them on it's just about finding the right characteristics or the right features that these these animals like um but so I, I like to I like to focus on on big drainages that I that I found down there and I'll find a big canyon or a big drainage and and kind of start looking in there and looking for spur drainages and and these coos deer are so tough to see it, it's it's one of the only animals that I found where you know tripoding up your binos is almost a necessity I mean if if you're walking around hunting looking close to you you know you can kind of glass around but. Uh, those coos deer they take a couple steps and stop take a couple steps and stop and, and when they're frozen like that you just can't pick them out their gray color blends in with the landscape perfectly and and so they're so tough to pick out and then keep track of i mean you'll be watching a buck and, and he'll be walking in the wide open and, and you take your eyes off him for a second and he can be gone i mean they call him the gray ghost for a reason they're just they are so tough to glass and keep an eye on they're the highest degree of difficulty in glassing that I've found. And so when you're down there and you're glassing them and you're trying to find them and keep your eyes on them and, and get a stock, um, you, you know, you're just, you're improving your skills and your glassing skills to the nth degree, you know. Then when you're going to hunt mule deer, it's like they're nothing to see them, you know, because you're, you've got such a trained eye and you, you're glassing so hard to find them. So that's one way where they've really improved my game. Um I like to find vantage points just like all my hunting, but even more so coos deer hunting. I I like to find the master vantage point, the 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 place where the whole all the the country around me just lays out. If I can get a 360 degree view, great, you know. If I, you know, if I can get 200 degrees of view, super, but I I just try to find the these vantage points in these high spots and I hike really hard to those vantage points to be there at the right times and be looking around and in January, you know, even the mule deer, even though the mule deer rut is over, like in New Mexico where I'm going, the coos deer rut is in full swing in January. And so you're going down there to hunt the heart of the rut. And so it can be good and bad. Um, I think it is more good than bad. You just seem to see these more mature bucks and these, these huge world-class coos deer that are going, you know, a 110 inches 120 inches you see them down there and you find them and and you start to really get into it you think it's like this this little white tail and a little rack and i've killed bigger bucks and how am i going to get excited but you get down there and you kind of get in this you get in the mindset of hunting coos and and the harder they are to find and get stocks on just the more you appreciate them and the the more you appreciate how they hide and the species and and how they move through that desert and i i always you know we're we're on the mexican border down there and it just 
it's just a whole different feeling than anything else I've hunted. And you just immerse yourself in this coos deer hunting world. And all of a sudden, you're starting to get really excited. You see a 100-inch coos or 110-inch coos, you start to find this appreciation. And he's a big, blocky body, you know, bigger than all the other deer. And he's got this this rack on him. And, you know, the, the rack's 110 inches, but proportionally to the body, they look big. And it, it's just like this desert deer that all of a sudden you you fall in love with and that you get infatuated with that you just it's all you can think about is trying to find these things and and putting yourself through the challenge of trying to kill one and so i mean i i absolutely love it um so so i i find these things or i find these master vantage points and i i just start to pick country apart and i it you need a, a tripod tripod up your binos and sit down and it's a good lesson to learn and I think for a lot of mule deer hunting and a lot of other hunting you can use a tripod for your binos it just keeps you so much more still and stable you can kind of pan a little bit and stop pan a little bit and stop and then I just start panning through country and when you first get over there and get a master vantage it's almost overwhelming at how much country you can see you don't know what to look at or where to go but I kind of start close to me and then you know, I don't really do a grid pattern per se. I make sure I look over everything, but I, I kind of just go to where it looks bucky and I try to cover all the country and then back and forth over it. And, and uh, when I'm sitting on those master vantages, I don't dare get up in the first 15 minutes. I mean, heck, you don't even start to see what's there till you've been there, you know, half an hour or so. So I like to sit on those vantage points for a longer period of time just because those deer are so tough to see. And, and after an hour or two, hour or two you start to get a, a pretty good feeling of what's in there and what's moving around um and, and then i'll feel comfortable moving to a different vantage point and, and i'll kind of work a ridge where i'll have a, a vantage point and then i'll walk a mile and it'll be another vantage point and then another mile another vantage point or you know maybe i'll i'll be on a vantage point and i'll i'll see across the canyon there's a point over there that would give me a good look at new country and and so i just kind of work my way from vantage point to vantage point trying to locate these coos deer i mean you talk about an awesome adventure. So January, over-the-counter tag, you get all this experience that improves your skill set for, for next year for hunting elk and hunting mule deer and you know whatever your dreams and ambitions are. And, and these coos deer just make you better. And, and then you start to just fall in love with hunting these things, like I say. Um, but, you know, it's an, it's an adventure where it's warm out too. The camping's nice. And I... You know, if I found a spot back in the wilderness, I'd pack my tent back in there and stay. But it seems like I hunt out spots pretty quick. And so I tend to day hunt it, camp at my truck, and then I'll, I'll hike up a, a ridgeline. And I'll hike before dark and get way back up in there. And then I'll spend the day up in there, or the morning up in there. If the if the morning doesn't pan out, I'll hike out and I'll go to a new spot in the afternoon. Um, but, but most times when I go in there and hunt, I'll hunt for the entire day. Um, and then when I get back to the truck, I'll make my decision and fresh spots always hunt good. You know, once you've been in there, it just seems like you get around, you make a stock, you maybe jump a couple deer here and there and I'll have spots that hunt good for two or three days, but, and they're just money spots where you're seeing three, four or five bucks a day. You know, I, I try to see 20 coos deer a day and, and of that, you know, I maybe see five bucks a day is, is, would be an average day um, so I try to shoot for that, but it just seems like as the days go on, I'll start seeing less and less, um, and then just time to go to a fresh spot. And so you have, you know, I've got all these canyons now that I've learned over the last three years that I know I can go to. And with those canyons, then I mix in, you know, new spots that I want to go check out and want to go glass from. 
And um, so, so I'll hunt it for, you know, I like to jump around to fresh spots now that I've learned that. I mean, I, I hardly ever hunt a spot more than a couple days or if I, what I'll do is I'll hunt it for a day and then I'll jump out of there and go hunt a couple different canyons and then I'll come back three days, four days later and hunt that canyon again. And, and it's the rut. They're all moving around and, and so you just see different deer and, and catch different deer in there. And so um, I try to move around quite a bit. I day hunt from my truck, but like I say, the camping is so nice. I mean, you, you can you can get a suntan down there that time of year. It gets down to thirties, forties at night, but but no big deal, you know. And I I just try to do a mobile camp. I might set up a pup tent if it's gonna rain or something like that. But other than that, I'll just sleep in the dirt or sleep in the back of my truck, and then wake up, throw my stuff in, and then I'm I'm ready to go hunt. Um, it, it's really cool too, cause there's just not many guys doing it. Uh, coos deer with a bow and arrow is really tough. And, and, you know, I should say a lot of guys focus on, on water holes and focus on stands and I'm just a spot and stock hunter. I mean, I, it, there may be more effective ways to hunt them. You know, where I'm hunting, it doesn't seem like they're coming into one water hole or, you know, there's streams and creeks and, and drainages where they're getting water. And so you can't really pinpoint where they're at. Um, and they're just moving all throughout this desert terrain. And so, you know, I choose to spot and stock hunt them like I'd hunt anything else out there. But but spot and stock hunting them, I, I also think, improves my skill set more so than anything out there. You know, being able to glass them, being able to find them, and then being able to, to, to get an approach on them and try to make a stock. And and uh, so, so I jump canyons quite a bit looking in different spots trying to locate them and and then once you see a buck that you want to go after um you know then it's game on and, and they're you know they're not any easier they're tough to glass and they're tough to get close to and they're you know everything about them is tough they're they're one of the highest degrees of difficulty to kill um of any species i've hunted out there they they are tough but you know it's part of that challenge that that attracts me to it you know um i i you know the the greater the challenge the greater the reward and so when you do kill a nice buck boy just the top of the world um but getting close to him is tough i try to I try to glass them up and I try to keep an eye on them. I mean, best case scenario, you bet them in a spot where you can see their exact bed and then you can move in on them slow and, and precise and and uh, slow your footfalls down and really make a game plan. But, but they don't bed for long. I mean, a couple hours, sometimes they'll bed for more, but you just can't count on it. And so I like to keep an eye on them and every scenario is different. And, and I try to just keep an eye on them and might try to bed them down if I'm a ways off or, you know, if there's a spot where I can get closer and get another, you know, uh, get within striking distance or keep an eye on them as I'm moving in, I might choose to move in while they're on their feet rutting a doe and, and get in a little bit closer and, and maybe try to get a play on them while they're on their feet. It just seems like every scenario is different. If you wait for everyone to bed, a lot of times they'll disappear over the ridge or, or in a group of trees and then you don't have their exact bed and they're gone. And so, you know, it, I, I try to watch them and just try to play high percentage stocks and I try to look at them and go, okay, well, where can I get where I can see him again? Or if he does disappear, where do I need to get to to see where he gets up again? Where can I get in striking distance? Where can I, and I'm always trying to get a closer vantage point to him, always. Uh, I'm trying to move in either keep an eye on them or relocate them from a closer vantage point and then try to get a play. And these things can move miles. And so, you know, when you're keeping an eye on one, you got to keep your scope on them 
on them the whole time, moving with them. And, and you know, you can lose them behind a group of trees or something, and, and that buck will disappear. And then you might spot them a half a mile down, you know, glass in an hour later or whatever. So they move a lot of country. So they're tough to pinpoint in. And that's part of the reason why the rut is tough is because these bucks are always moving. Um, it's good because they're on their feet and moving. You can see them and locate them, but it's bad too because you can't, it's tough to get close to them when they're moving all the time. Um, so I just I play every scenario different, and sometimes if I can bet them down and make a play on them in the afternoon or the evening, um, you know, sometimes like I say, best case you you bet them down and you can see them there bedded and you make a stock on them while they're bedded is best case. Um, sometimes they're feeding and they're, you are within striking distance or you're able to move into a closer vantage point and see them in striking distance. And I can look at them and look at a buck feeding or look at a, a buck rut in a doe and go, God, I think I can make it there. And, and then I hustle my pace behind a ridge or, you know, where I'm hit, where my movement's hidden and I try to get closer and, and then try to come up and, and relocate them there really close where I can make a play or make a stock on them. Um, they're tough to stock on, but you just gotta, you just gotta play the game with them a little bit. You know, it's uh, you don't get reckless. You just uh, you you stock and and do what they'll give you. And there's a lot of there, there's a lot of feature around where you're hunting them. There's a lot of coolies and canyons and ridge lines, and it seems like sometimes you can chase them over a ridge line and then see them on the next one. Chase them over that one. See them over the next one, and kind of keep with them. Um, you don't want to give yourself away or, or um, you know, stalk too fast or try to move too fast because that, you know, there's there usually isn't snow on the ground, but that desert terrain is pretty noisy and crunchy. So you really gotta know when to slow down. So you 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 move fast to close the distance to relocate them, and then once you're inside that 100 150 yards, that's where you really slow down and and uh, try to make it happen in there. The the one coos buck I, I killed, um, I killed a, you know, and I, I usually pass the smaller bucks, usually pass two points and spikes, and I'm looking for a more mature buck that I'm that I'm going to be absolutely psyched with. Um, my buddy Coulter killed one down there. The first year we went down, and then the second year we went down, I was hunting hard, and, and everything was coming together. I, mean, I was getting stocks. Um, I, I think I, I missed a buck. I know I missed one. I think I missed him right in the front, right by his shoulder right there. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I had a pretty good shot at him. And, and those things will jump your string too. That's another thing. Gosh dang it. So tough to glass. So tough to get close to. You guys are never going to want to hunt them. And then you get close. And then uh, those little jumpy deer will jump your string like crazy. Um, they're they're real jumpy, nervous deer, you know. And, and, and so all you can do is put your pin on them and execute your shot. A lot of guys say to aim low. I mean, the coos deer are so small too. It's like you're shooting at a dang coyote. You know, their their brisket is is only about I don't know, twelve to sixteen inches, you know, depth wise, and and so you know you're trying to hit a little six inch by six inch spot, and they're jumpy, you know, and so um, yeah, I missed a buck. I remember I missed through the by the front of the shoulder there. Um, missed him. God, I had a good shot at him. I don't think he jumped my string. I can't remember exactly what happened, but. Um, but I was getting in close to these bucks and I had a bunch of opportunities in close in bow range and it was, it was just happening for me and I was finding them. I was getting a stock every day at least. And, uh, I found this really nice wide buck and, and he was rutting this doe. And then there was another smaller buck. It was a three point. Um, but he was kind of tailing, you know, the doe in this buck. And, and then I was able to, to catch that buck 
bedded down in a spot and he got back up and disappeared over the ridge and I just thought well I got I got to go try to relocate him and I got over that ridge and he was bedded over that ridge and I was able to creep around and get around in on him and and uh I got into 60 yards or something and that buck stood up and got a little nervous um and, and he was just standing behind this fir tree forever I, I mean it may seem like longer when you're waiting on a shot but this buck stood behind that tree for must have been 10 minutes and I just never moved I just had my bow ready I had a range um and, and just he was standing up and looking my direction his doe was down below him standing up and I just waited and waited and finally he stepped out and able to execute a perfect shot on man I just put it tight behind that front shoulder and and he didn't go anywhere ran over the hill and died but man just so psyched to get it done on a on a big coos deer buck like that he was I think he ended up scoring like 97, but just big and heavy, big eye guards on him. Kind of those shorter points that you see on coos deer and then really wide. And I, I think he was close to 20 inches wide. Um, that sounds pretty wide for a coos deer, but he was a, he was a nice wide one. Um, just psyched to get it done on him. Um, yeah, those things are tough, but when it comes together, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I, I try to I, you know, you just, it's like anything you kind of learn as you go. And the more time you spend hunting them, the, the more you learn and the better you get at it. But, um, what an awesome, a way to, to improve your skill set um, on spot and stock hunting. And, and, and it's, it's such a easy over the counter tag to get. I mean, I, you do that trip for less than a thousand bucks, which is really nice. It's, it's an adventure hunt in January where you can go warm. And I know a thousand bucks is a lot of money, but I, I think you get the tag for 400 bucks and you know depending on how many guys you go with and it's a group deal i i go with my buddy coulter um we've gone every year he's from arizona and, and this isn't a spot he ever hunted or anything he lived up by phoenix and we kind of just did the research on it um and, and decided we were going down and i've hunted like four different units down there and it, you know all of them have coos deer in them um you know the the way southern units has some really good coos deer hunting but there are some illegals down there that you got to look out for and you just don't feel you know you're nervous about leaving your truck and seeing illegals and border patrol guys everywhere and it's just not quite the experience i was looking for you know when i originally started i thought man i'm hunting the border of mexico because that's where the best coos deer hunting it is and there is some good coos deer hunting and you can get away from the pressure but you just you're seeing a trash from from uh migrating uh uh people coming across the border in and through there and then i then i've seen quite a few people i saw dad and his his son that made it to the road that were just waiting to get picked up that were dehydrated and and uh, couldn't go any further and and then i saw one time in this canyon way off in this canyon in the wilderness and glass down and there was um three guys down there and and three mexicans they all had backpacks um you know and i'm sure they weren't filled with oranges down there they look like more like they were moving product uh more so than trying to get into the country um so i think they were trying to move drugs or you know move something up up through this drainage in their in their backpacks and three guys and i watched them through the scope and watched them work all the way up this canyon i'm telling you those guys they can move country wow um but yeah they moved up and through there and and uh called border patrol but i you know i don't think they ever caught them they were smart they were moving the bottoms of the canyons but so those 
those southern units can be a different experience and i don't like seeing the trash and i don't like having to worry about somebody breaking into my truck and and there's some good northern units um that hunt really good uh 31 32 33 uh there's a there's a bunch of them down there i mean you can look in the msr uh, of eastman's and and find good coos deer rifle tags and then just go in there with a bow and and try to figure them out in january and that's the cool thing is that over-the-counter tag is pretty much good for almost the entire state for hunting coos deer and you can hunt mule deer with it there's a a lot of units down there where there is both where they do have coos deer and mule deer and so you know then you can hunt either or and then and then the javelina god i gotta hunt one of those things one of these days i I haven't ever got a tag because I just get so focused on coups and I'm so in love with hunting those things that I don't want to take the time to to make. But you can make the time to stalk a javelina, and I see a bunch of them down there. Um, I'm seeing them all the time, and the javelina tags, they're not quite over-the-counter. you got to apply for them, but then there's a bunch of leftover bow tags down there and, and any legal weapon tags. And I've looked the last couple times I've been down there, and the units I'm hunting, there's leftover tags I could go down and buy, and they're only like 100 bucks or something. But what a great add-on to your hunt down there. And, and they're just meant for bow hunting. They don't have that good eyesight, and you can kind of stalk in on them. And they, they just look like these... Uh, they look like bowling balls out there when you see them. They're just this black, round, you know, pig-looking thing. And I, I think I heard that they're a peccary. They're, um, they're actually related to the rodent family, I think. I think is what I heard. I gosh, I need to Google myself when I'm talking on this podcast. Who knows some of the facts that I'm spitting out? But uh, I I think I heard right that they are part. They're like a huge rodent or whatever. Uh, but they're really cool. I like seeing them around down there. Um, along with those, see those. Um, oh gosh, I can never remember the name of them. Um, oh man, they're like a raccoon. They almost look like a monkey to me. What the hell are those things called? Um, Oh gosh, I can't think of it. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I'm sure it'll come to me right after I get off this podcast, but they got these huge long tails. I think they're related to raccoons and kind of white and brown color. Um, they're really cool to see down there, but the, the javelina tag would be a good one to get. And I, I, what I should do is bring down my recurve down there and, and then hunt those things with my recurve. Cause you can get really close to them. I, you know, I had one group, uh, one night that I saw that were kind of on my route back that to my truck. And so I made a stock on them and I stalked into this group of them that were feeding and, and no kidding. I stalked within five yards of one of those things. I mean, I just kept moving in and they kept focus on feeding. And every time their head was down, I was moving in. Um, I mean, I think I could have killed the thing with the spear, <laughs> at least an atlatl. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're meant for bow hunting and meant for stalking in on. Um, so I think it'd be cool to bring my recurve down. But yeah, I stalked in on this thing, got to about five yards. And, and finally that thing picked up its head and saw me and its hackles raised up on its back, you know, and I thought, oh, oh no, here I go. You know, I, I'm going to get this thing to charge me out here now. And I'm so close. I can hardly even move my feet quick enough to get out of the way. But, uh, he hackled up and then went away from me or whatever, but they're really neat to see over there. So, uh, I enjoy seeing those. And, and my main focus has been on these coos deer. I just, I love to hunt those coos and, and big coos. Like I say, you're seeing world-class, you're hunting the middle of the rut. And so you get to see these bucks that these guys just dream about. And, and it is tough and it's challenging with the bow, but all you need is one encounter to go right to stick an arrow in one. And, and, and so, you know, I, I'll be hunting coos for the rest of my life. I absolutely love it. I, and it, and it's a hunt where you can take buddies on too, you know, like a lot of, 
you know, and I, and I like to hunt with buddies and I like to hunt solo, but you know, there's some backcountry hunts where, you know, you brought three, four guys in, you guys cover the country so fast that nobody's getting opportunities. And that's just not the case with coups. Uh, I go down with my buddy Coulter and, but you could bring down three, four guys pretty easy, you know, carpool down, have a great time, truck camp. So you're cooking steaks at night and, and, uh, and then everybody just goes a separate direction, um, you know, in in the morning. And like I say, that all that country's just full of coos down there. You just gotta you gotta find the spots that the drainages where you see them at and where you're seeing good numbers. And if you're not seeing good numbers, you know, you keep looking. You find another drainage. You you change your elevation. And and I I do find a sweet spot in the elevation for me. Um, I, I like to find them on the desert floor, but most of the time I'm finding them that mid breast. And once I start to see a lot of coups, I take note of their elevation, you know, whether it's 6,000 feet in elevation or 6,500 or I, I think my sweet spot down there in the mountain range, I, I've been hunting quite a bit. I think it's like around, I think it's like 5,500 to 6,500. That sounds about right. Um, but right in that elevation band, you know, I can go on the other side of the mountains and hunt that same elevation and I find the coos in that elevation. So, you know, when you are finding them, start paying attention to the elevation, the, the features you're finding them on and, and then make sure it's conducive to spot and stock hunting. Some of those spots where there's a lot of coos, it's really thick and they're just tough to hunt in that thick stuff. I mean, you almost, you can hunt them when they come out and feed on it, but I've got this one hillside that I found and it's this north side timber it's just full of coups. I mean, every time you go in there, you see 20, 25 of them and some really nice bucks, but it's so thick where they're living there that, that you can hardly make a play on them that, you know, you're, you're dang near just wasting your time. I mean, I'll, I'll go over there and look at it and, you know, maybe you catch them on an edge or catch them feeding out where you can make a play or catch them in some of the more open stuff around there. But if they're on that big, huge North face timbered side over there, you just don't have much of a chance. Every time I've been over there, I ended up, you know, just spooking them or blowing them out of there. And so you, you want to find them in country that's conducive to you killing them too. Um, but yeah, I just travel around, travel around different drainages. I use my truck for transportation to get me to different spots. And then I'll hike deep back in the wilderness. And I, you know, I don't see much from my truck. Um, some of these hunts, you know, you can, and especially down there, it's so low pressure. You know, I hardly ever see another hunter down there hunting. You know, it's pretty much just, I have it all to myself. And so you'd think that a lot of these spots, you'd be able to use your truck as a mobile vantage point and get out and look around but I, I just don't see much from, from the truck. I don't know if, you know, we've been through all the rifle seasons now and we've been through, you know, those deer have been pressured and hunted, you know, ever since the beginning of bow season in September through the rifle seasons, muzzleloader, and now we're to late, late January hunting. And so I think these things have just found out, you know, where the pressure's coming from and, and the pressure from these roads. And so, you know, I just don't see a whole lot from the roads. And so I, I try to use the roads to get back into country and then, and then I get off and I just, I hike and find vantage points and get up there and, and look around. And so, you know, I, I just don't do that well from my truck. I, um, you would think you'd, you'd see a few here and there driving around and you do, you catch a few here and there, but, um, you know, I can't think of one stock that I've gotten from my truck or from a vantage point, a hundred yards from my truck, 
Um, you know, most of the all the stocks I've got have been hiking deep into the wilderness or deep into the backcountry and and finding these spots where these deer haven't been pressured, where they're just living and rutting back in there. And and like I say, there's no bow hunting pressure around, so I know it's not the bow pressure, but I just think it's all these seasons they've gone through you know, surviving and, and, uh, living. And so they kind of learn where to go and, and where not to go. But man, if you guys want a fun adventure for under a thousand bucks and improve your hunting skill in the off season, extend your, your archery season, that, that coos deer is so much fun and you can do it. It's, it's not that challenging. I thought about it for years before I went down and did it that I wanted to do it and I kept trying to talk buddies into it and and finally the one year I was going to go I was going to go by myself and enabled you know Coulter was game to go down there and try it and and he had success that year but man if you guys are looking for a great adventure coos is it I mean I I have just fallen in love with hunting these things and yeah they're challenging and yeah you might not bring one home the first year you do it but you might you know you just got to catch one in the right spot um but but uh, you know talk about exercising your hunting muscles i mean you just get to be in it for 10 days you get to and, and it's hunting like i told you guys it's different than anything i've ever hunted it's like this desert terrain you know where there's um you know i mesquite and where there's this different cactuses and uh, ocotillos and you know all this uh, uh what what are those uh gosh i'm not very good with my um vegetation but you know i try to i try to memorize it when i'm down there and look at different plants and try to know what i'm looking at um but uh oh god i can never remember i'm just gonna butcher the name of this so it's like a mezzanine tree god that isn't right it's a a manzanita uh, manzanita trees down there um it's just really cool landscape and you just feel like you're like you're in a totally different place on planet earth which you are you know but uh, hunting hunting things that far south down in there um just a different landscape and a different challenge and the the more landscapes i can hunt and the different species i can hunt i think it all goes into my overall hunting skill it makes me that much better when when you're hunting 110 inch coos and you're you're able to seal the deal on a big mature coos deer out in that desert terrain spot and stock high degree of difficulty you know that next year when you're hunting high country muleys and you find that 210 inch buck you know he's going to be difficult but you know you've already accomplished these feats and gained this confidence and improved your skill set it it just only makes you better and it it's just such a great adventure and it's it's just not that tough to figure out guys i mean you just you know pick out a good unit it down there drive in there check out the mountain range find your access roads get in those different drainages look around you're gonna find coos deer they're they're everywhere throughout that landscape and 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 the more you do it the better you're gonna get the more of those deer you're gonna find but uh you know i know you can get a couple stocks down there and i like to shoot for a stock well i'd like to say a stock a day but um that's when it's really good hunting. I, I tend to average about a stock every other day and, and throughout a 10 day trip, you know, you usually get four or five stocks that are really good, high percentage stocks. And I, you know, and I like to keep improving my skill and improving my coos deer knowledge. And I think with the three years that I have down there, I've done that to where now I go down with a pretty good game plan where, gosh, if I could get a stock a day, if I could get nine or 10 stocks, you know, I, I know I'd get it done every year down there. Um, the the last year i went the third year 
we dealt with rains pretty heavy and you know i can hunt through some weather but when it's an absolute downpour you just can't see and if you can't see you can't find those coups and so we'd go out and get wet for sure and and keep hunting and trying to find those things but um really did battle some some gnarly rainy weather down there um but i was able to find bucks we were able to find some good bucks i got a couple stocks um I think I got a few stocks, but I got a couple that panned out where I got close. One where I got to full draw on that thing, where I chased that thing and got to full draw on him, and and uh, then he just he busted out right before, right as I was setting settling my pin. I didn't get to loose an arrow. He was a really nice buck, and then and then I had a nice big mature buck the day before season started. So the deal was as if if you've got let's see how do I explain this so. Say if if you hunted the year before and you didn't fill your tag, you can hunt in December because that's the year prior, and you can hunt December with your bow, and then you know for the next year, January first, you've got to have the New Year's tag. So okay, say like this year, I could hunt December of 2016 because I didn't harvest a buck in 2016. Now and then once January first starts, I need a 2017 tag. Um, and that's another good tip of what you guys could do too. And, and what I've thought about doing is going that first week of January. And so you go that first week of January. This year you buy your 2017 tag. Well, if you don't fill out next year, go back the last week of December, and then you can use that same 2017 tag, save yourself 400 bucks, and hunt on that same tag two times a year. Um, but the case was this year, the year that I was hunting there, I had, I had killed a buck the year prior. And so December, my tag was no good. I had to wait till January 1st till my new tag kicked in and I had a nice mature buck, um, and walked 40 yards away from my vantage point that I would have shot for sure that, you know, I could have ate a sandwich and shot him. Gosh, dang it. He just walked by and broadside, no idea I was there. And that was the day before season, December 31st. Um, and my tag didn't open till January 1st, but if I would have had the year prior, he would have been open and could have gave him an arrow. Um, but just didn't work out, but I did have that encounter and, and I had some good hunting and I found a, a few more drainages to hunt, really moved around, hunted efficiently. You know, I just lost a few days due to weather, um, due to rainy weather, which cut my hunt down and, and I wasn't able to fill out. And like I say, I'm, I'm always looking for a more mature buck and even, you know, I'd probably shoot a small three point. I can say that sitting here, but boy, if I have a small three point walk by me, he's probably catching an arrow, but I try to shoot for more mature bucks. I stay away from the forkies and the spikes and, and, uh, you know, it, even a small three point, I'd like to kill a bigger, a bigger, nice three point or better, you know, cause they're down there and you see them, but, um, man, what a blast. So, um, Anyways, you guys check it out. You guys want a, a new hunting experience and go have some fun down there in the desert. You know, gosh, just just go do it. Um, you know, I, it's on a lot of guys' bucket list, but but just go try it. You know, if nothing else, you're gonna get this great adventure down in that desert landscape and, and improve your hunting skill. Definitely gonna improve your glassing skill. Glassing for those things is so much fun. I I say you uh, you go down and you glass till your eyes bleed and that's about it. I mean you just you cover country like crazy looking for those things, but that's a big part of the fun for me too is just looking for them. But uh, yeah, check it out, you guys. If you guys get a chance, head on down. And I know this podcast is getting out late. I'll get it out this week. Um, hopefully, some of you guys are headed down there, and and maybe some of you are on the fence. And if you're on the fence, I'd head head down and go do it. And and, and there too, a lot of the things we talked about. 
as far as locating coos deer and and stalking coos deer and 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 all those skills can all apply to all your public land do-it-yourself hunting as well i mean i apply those to to mule deer hunting and to elk hunting and to everything else i mean every species is a little bit different but a, a lot of those same tactics of locating game and and covering country and figuring out where they are you know a lot of those same tactics you know uh, apply to to all different facets of hunting and so you know i didn't i didn't want to do just an exclusive coos deer podcast but this one kind of turned into it i talked a little bit about late season mule deer and um complained about my technical issues and then it's been pretty coos heavy here towards the end but um you know a lot of these tactics can all be applied in in other hunting out there but uh so anyways i'm gonna head over i'm gonna do these podcasts here on on thursday over the eastman's uh, office so wish me luck hopefully i hit the record button or i i will make sure to hit the record button i should say it like that and if if you guys listen to this you know before i head down there on thursday i think the 30th is when i'm heading over there i think that's the date i'm gonna try to release this podcast here today or tomorrow which sunday monday and and uh but if you guys have some questions um make sure to reach out to me on instagram or facebook there and and uh let me know your thoughts or questions you'd like to hear me ask those guys um eastman's didn't really um well we haven't you know i've been pushing the gear guide on there for us we've had that uh doing gear guide stuff um so i hadn't talked to him about you know what's new here before i go over but i know they just launched this this tv series and it's an internet tv show it's called uh, beyond the grid um i haven't checked it out yet but i'm gonna go on and watch it they've got an episode on there where their guy just kills a giant bull with his rifle but it it's this cool new show that they're gonna do that's an internet only tv show um and so i want to talk to guy more about it when i'm over there and find out um, some more details about it but um it should be good it's an internet show i think it's for free on there um you just go on and click it and it's a hunting show that you can watch over the internet and always catch they're going to do new episodes of it and so i'm kind of excited i'm hoping that they pick up my montana mule deer hunt and stick that on that beyond the grid hunting show so we'll see what they're going to do there and and i'll get some answers and some more details when i when i go out there but uh, you guys get a chance check it out the new internet show beyond the grid hunting and they they also just started an instagram page i know i've been following that they've had a bunch of really good posts on that um but if you guys get a chance check it out um so yeah till till next week till i get over there and and do those interviews um man keep keep working hard you guys uh hunting season's coming it's always coming right it's a year-round pursuit so keep working hard and we'll talk to you guys soon thanks